right, guys, welcome back. We're Kenter at Your Own Risk, and we're hitting up episode 40, part 2 uh, of our Nightmare on Elm Street uh, franchise podcast. Uh, we're going to let Kevin kick this part off, and it's going to be talking about Freddy's Revenge and Nightmare on Elm Street, part 2. Yeah, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, part 2, Freddy's Revenge, and released in 1985, Directed by Jack Shoulder and written by David Chaskin. This one is very different from the first one and probably all the rest of them, or most of them anyways. That it's not any of the characters from the first movie, but the house that is uh, possessed by Freddy Krueger with the new family, with Jesse and his parents and I, I don't know did he have a sibling i think so but yeah a- angela they were the walshes i think his sister was angela jesse yeah it's angela walsh jesse walsh sounds like a 90210 character definitely <laughs> um and what i liked about that it's a possession story is that it doesn't really leave a, a mystery that uh, Jesse is the killer because Freddy Krueger comes to Jesse in his dreams. Um, and that is how he murders more, more people and into where he becomes Freddy Krueger and comes into the real world. Um, the non dream world. Uh, so yeah, I really, I really, in that scene too, also with like Freddy Krueger's brain pulling, you know, the brain scene, uh, really great special effects on that. The, so I guess I'll start. I, I mentioned that the first, this is the first one that I probably saw all the way through at like 10 years old. The, I don't, I watched the entire, I watched one through six in like 2013, um, all together. And I don't really remember much about that experience, uh, except for the, the opening shot of the bus, and the ending shot of the bus. And then I watched uh, in October. It was the only Nightmare on Elm Street movie I saw. I just have seen the first one so many times. I was like, I'll just skip that. Go to the second one. And I picked up a little bit on the homoerotic stuff on that. And then going into it this time, I wasn't really excited to, to rewatch it three months later but you know throughout the whole series i was like okay i'm gonna go and like watch this and like you know crack this this case and it turns out there's like a whole bunch of information all about it all over the place uh never sleep again discusses it and then there is the scream queen my nightmare on the street which is mark Patton's experience on the who plays the lead character jesse aka the the final boy um so I, I kind of wondering, did you guys, when was the last, last time you guys watched this? The last time I watched this was probably in the early 2000s. So we were talking like close to 20 okay. years for me. And did you uh, pick up on the homoerotic stuff then? Um, uh, no, no, I didn't. And I mean, like for me, no, no, go ahead, Ken. Answer Kevin's questions first. I'll go after. 
I probably saw it within the past five years because Raylene had never seen it, and I always talk about how much I hate the movie, so... Uh, as far as the homoerotic stuff, um, I mean, I, I'd i only known about it, be- well, uh, I think both you guys know uh, Dominic, right? Oh, yeah. Like you guys the theater with Dom? Yeah. Okay, so I only knew about the homoerotic because I talked Nightmare on Elm Street with him, and he's like, did you know? And I was like, no, and then like I, I watched it again, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's all pretty damn obvious. If it, it, Once you know it, it's like hitting you, slapping you right in the fucking face, but, yeah, otherwise I didn't think anything really about it. You see it, you can't unsee it. And and that's how I felt this time watching it. I mean, once you see the box of cereal called Fu Manchus, you can't unsee <laughs> that, is that true. either. Yeah. <laughs> that's very true. Um, I don't, to, to go, to, I mean, to tie along with, you know, that, Kevin, before we started this project, I would have put this one at the bottom you know, completely worst out of all of them. And after rewatching them, it sits right at number, um, number six for me. So, you know, the top of the bottom half. Oh, that's pretty good. Uh, to, I mean, to go along with, with the, um, the Freddie brain scene, the scene where Freddie pops out of Jesse's body is probably one of the best practical effects that they did in the entire series. Oh yeah. That was, that was a cool one. Um, so, all right, to, to kind of sidestep all of that, um, because there is a whole bunch of information out there. They're like the, the scream queen, my nightmare with on Elm street is on shutter. So if you have that, you check that out, but, uh, and which is a great documentary. What did you learn from that? Cause I, I watched like the first 15 minutes. I just, uh, Yesterday was the Royal Rumble, and I just had a shitload of things, so I didn't quite get through. Do they – is that documentary more – all right, so, like, you, you know, the first 15 minutes, there's not a whole lot about the movie. It's mostly about uh, – what's his uh, name? Yeah, Mark, Jesse. Right? Oh, oh, you're talking about the documentary, like, yeah. Does, does, does it dive – does it dive more into the movie, or is it more about his experience in the movie, I guess? It is the experience, his experience through the movie. It's it. Um, the conversation started with the 2010 documentary, Never Sleep Again, and he agreed to do that if he could ask David Chaskin straight up if, you know, he meant to make it, you know, you know, so, you know, all the, right, the okay. you know, a gay movie. And that's kind of done in that, but he didn't actually okay. get to, you know, ask him. And then he gets to sit down and ask him. And he actually, and it's on the 30th anniversary. They do a convention run with it, and it kind of follows some of that too. Um, yeah, it it goes all the way all the way through the movie, and it goes like, you know, picks it out scene by, you know, scene by scene. So there was quite a bit more information than, you know, the 30 minute segment and never sleep again. Um, and that he, you know, knew that they were doing this and, you know, he was not out of the closet, but people knew that he was gay because of the, you know, he did the Robert Altman thing and 
theater and people just kind of knew. And then at that time, uh, in 85, the same year the movie came out, Rock Hudson died of AIDS. So there was like, so anyone, you know, in the whole AIDS crisis and, you know, America got very homophobic and it kind of just talks about how he went like back into the closet and then he stars in this movie and it just all kind of like, just so happens. But as far as a Freddy Krueger movie and a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, it really doesn't, doesn't work. Um, I think the, uh, especially, I mean, but it's fun the, the way it doesn't work. Uh, it's in some sense, I don't think everything was super intentional to be, um, you know, I think it, a lot of it was like a product of the times, uh, comparison would be like top gun, which is, you know, uh, Quentin Tarantino has this, you know, like monologue thing about a little bit about how that movie is about Maverick, you know, coming to terms with his homosexuality. And that was all, you know, that's the stuff you read into. It's completely unintentional. The volleyball scene is definitely just a product, you know, of the times. Um, and, you know, the scene where Mark as Jesse is dancing in the room by himself is, uh, you know, I didn't think that as they were intentionally trying to, you know, make it. Yeah. It, I, I mean, like, cause I also it was, a fun I scene, mean, actually. it was done in like, <laughs> honey, I shrunk the kids, which I saw like, you know, around the same time as, as, uh, Freddie too. So that was just kind of like stuff that I, I watched as a kid, you know, the eighties and early nineties of like weird dance sequences that don't, don't really do anything. Right. That, that was like the, the, the thing of the time was, you know, you had these cheesy little dance sequences where, you know, people thought they were alone. I mean, look at Corey Haim in the bathtub and fucking lost boys sure. kind of doing, you know, something along the same line, you know, like that was just the thing. Kevin, I, you know, you just said something, and that was actually a question I was going to ask. You, you said, you know, did this work, or you know, as a Freddy movie, or would this movie have been, would, would this film have worked better if it wasn't part of the Nightmare on Elm Street, or did it need Freddy Krueger to get it seen? Like, like pose- they wanted to go with the possession angle um, I, I, because of you know the Exorcist and the the Omen. Um, were big. Well, I guess maybe not the Omen, but yeah, the Exorcist was like a big movie. So I think they were just trying to like, you know, you know, find like you know something that has worked successfully and and try to go that route. Um, I mean, and basically, it's it's an they're all kind of like after school specials after the first one. I feel like, um. And this one would be the the LGBTQ one, um, <laughs> yeah. And then you know, like three would be like yeah. Teen Suicide, and then four would be uh, I think uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe I don't know. I don't, four is definitely something MTV's I don't know, great. but five is like you know teen pregnancy and uh, you know being a single mom in the world. So yeah, five is definitely um, in that. It, I mean, it's a <laughs> yes. great after-school special, uh, you know. Um, but yeah, it's 
it is it's just it's just weird um and also i think the the thing is that there's dream sequences but like i don't think anyone dies in any of the dream sequences you know jesse wakes up in class with the snake around him uh freddy krueger how, how did the snake get around him I'm going to have to assume that one of the people who were fucking with him took it out of the the thing and put it around him. You know, maybe they passed it student to student. Okay, because so I'm sitting see. there like, the snake box or container was on one side, then yeah. there was Jesse, it, and then there was the guys laughing. The snake definitely yeah. didn't teleport. Yeah, I know that for certain. Mm, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I, there are a lot of things I liked about this one for all of its failures. Like, I like the the character of um, Ron, his his buddy. You know, his possible Brady? love interest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he he would have been really easy to trope him and make him almost the same as um, what's his nuts from the first one. You know, pulling out a switchblade from his leather jacket. <laughs> Rod. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I felt that they did a good job with his character. You know, especially. In regards to yes, the homoerotic contexts that we have. Also, like they did a well, I didn't like the change to Freddy. You know, this was the one where they said he was a janitor at a power plant rather than, you know, at the school, and he took the kids to the power plant, which is why he was, you know, down among the boilers and shit. Um, so that didn't work for me. But like when um. Or is her name Robin? Lisa. 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 When she's going there at the end and like those two dogs with the fucking human faces show up. Yeah. And they're just going like that's one thing that surprised me is that like Freddie didn't use more like entities in a lot of these dreams. You know, it's it's props and it's him. I don't know. I figured um yeah. if he's probably in complete control of the entire, you know, dream he should be able to, you know, add like other thing. Anyways, I thought that was an interesting take, but yeah, like you said, it fails at mostly being a nightmare on Elm street franchise piece. And a lot of what it puts forward has to be retconned in future, future, um, installments. And I mean, I think it's supposed to take relatively place chronologically, uh, like where the movie came out. It wasn't like trying to set itself 10 years after the original. So the fact that like everybody forgot about all the kids who got fucking, you know, they had to research and look it up to see that, you know, just last year, three kids within, you know, the same two block radius all get fucking murdered, you know, and the, the woman died and, you know, they didn't know that the mother died until they, they had to let him. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing that, you know, like I could buy in sinister, you know, moving into a house where, you know, 15 years prior, you know, people had been murdered, but moving into a house where like the year before, you know, half the family got fucking killed. I don't know. Uh, 
uh, yeah, it, it, it must have been a few years after, at least. But even five that, you, was I, mean, what I they guess said. you would have came. They said five years. Five years? Uh, and th- oh, this okay. is where the math is going to get super sloppy come part three. I'm just telling you all right now, this math is going to get really fucking awful. And then when part six comes, when you see that map scene in the very, very beginning, that's ten years past. Yeah. The, the future is now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, and that's actually about three is where I stopped trying to, like, piece everything So did everybody else involved, I think. (laughs) Oh, I think they gave up before then, actually. (laughs) But, um, uh, Marshall Bell as the, the, the gym teacher, um, where it was just kind of like, well, it was said that he kind of, like, you know, picks up guys at the gay bar and, you know. And hits on his students. Uh, that was like really blatantly said. And then he like Jesse just shows up at the gay bar, and then he like takes him to the showers. And it was very, it was a very odd. It was still kind of odd that they like you know Freddy Krueger would want to kill that guy. I don't know. It was just you know like because he's now killing adults, and that really wasn't you know killing the adults whole who made like punishing kids like it i don't know yeah i i wondered the same thing it seemed very it would be the last guy he wanted to kill you know it would be like why isn't he possessing this guy yeah and uh i mean i don't i don't know if you guys would agree but i really think that um both lisa and jesse's actors were just like not very good I mean, Mark Patton might have been going through a bunch of shit while he was filming it, but, like, that, uh, you know, for assistant director needed to be like, yo, dude, tone this shit down. <laughs> the the high-pitched screaming and stuff? Like, really, aside from Freddy, I would say Grady was the next best actor, and maybe, I like, I, I personally like Clue... Gulliger, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name, but I liked him better in something like Feast or Revenge of the, Return of the Living Dead. Uh, here, he kind of wasn't the greatest, so I think Grady really showed up as the best actor that wasn't Robert England. I, I would agree. I would agree. And, but like, Lisa was horrible, and you know, not to not to pick on anybody's appearance, but like. She didn't work as, like, an attractive scream queen. She wasn't a good actress. So I was like, how did how did she get the part? You know what I mean? It almost felt intentional to put more attention on Jesse. You know, and that, knowing the context now, that probably yeah. explains why. Like, I think that's what, exactly what happened. They're like, well, they we switch. don't want a girl to outshine him. Well, they switch... Um there's like a gender swap almost like it's like a, almost like an acting class experiment where, you know, the, well, who would be the boyfriend in the first movie is the, you know, the scream queen or the, you know, the final girl. And then she kind of has to like become more, you know, like the savior of, of it, you know, the, the one who like protects him as like, it's a very like, you know, it's, it's usually different. And, so one thing that he said was uh, 
about the experience was the production designer was gay also. And, and so there was like all of the, the flares to that, but the production designer had to like come up to him and be like, do not let Robert England put that, that blade in your mouth or it'll look like you're blowing him. So someone knew what was going on. All right. I need to vent about this movie. Because, all right, first and foremost, I want to say this. I remember hanging out in Kmart in Amsterdam when I was young. I'd already seen, you know, some of the Nightmare on Elm Streets. I'd never seen this one. So I'd seen like one, three, four, and five, we'll say. Maybe even Freddy's Dead. And still hadn't seen this damn movie. But I would be in Kmart and I'd look at the at the v- VHS. I'd be like, I really need to see this. And I'd read the back. I was like, this looks so awesome. And, you know... Quite frankly, the first scene, the bus scene, is one of the actual best scenes in Nightmare on Elm Street history, I I think. Like, it's really well done. And that's as good as the movie ever gets for me. It it really, the opening scene really shouldn't be by far the best scene. Uh, I mean, it does happen sometimes, but, you know, whatever. But... There's just a lot of nonsense that just it feels like extra stuff just to pad the timing, like the stuff in the family, like dad being pissed, like you're not going out until you unpack your clothes. Oh, okay. Like what? Wh- what's, what's the matter? You're forcing your son to unpack his clothes, throw them in as sloppily as possible. And by the way, if you're trying to nail a girl, you're not just going to throw your clothes in the way he does. You'd, you know put them in nicely so your clothes aren't all wrinkled so you don't come off like a complete asshole, I would think. Uh, what do I fucking know, though? Um, I'm still not sure if anybody really died in this movie. I Like, the ending, I don't know. Like, who did die? I, aside from the coach, I, I, re- I really don't know who the fuck died. The bird died. I know the bird died. The bird That's definitely. the one thing I can be the sure parakeet. of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was... I forgot about that scene. <laughs> uh, and, like, when you're watching it, I, I mean, trying to put myself into the mental state of when I first saw this, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, why is there a bird just going ape shit and, like, exploding? And why is the toaster randomly going on fire? Like, what does this... I'm trying to tie it to everything else I had known, you know, once again, one, three, four, and five, and it was really tough to tie it together. And I'm sitting there like, okay, so they say that Nancy went crazy, yet somehow they just magically left her fucking diary there? I, I feel like, you know, with the mom having quote-unquote died in the living room per this one, uh, I don't know, I just feel like the diary it was kind of in plain sight. It wasn't like it was tucked under a floorboard or something. It was right there. It wasn't like the hardest thing at all to find. It was pretty obvious. Eh, seems... Eh. And the dream sequences weren't that good. And I I gave this an incredibly low rating, only in the fact that if you're going to call this a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, then I got to treat this as a Nightmare on Elm Street movie and not its own movie. If it was like its own movie, I could have given it some more wiggle room, but it didn't work for me as a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, unfortunately. It... it the party scene was just really the party scene. You know what the best part of the party scene was for me was the one partier, no name partier goes, 
Just calm down, all right? Relax. It's going to be all right. Nobody's going to hurt you. Just tell us what you want, all right? I'm here to help you. And Freddy's response is, help yourself, fucker. That's the best part of the party scene for me. It goes against just about everything we said about the first one, which was subtle and restrained and laid back, low body count. I mean, the party scene alone has probably a higher body count than all of the movies put together in the rest of the series. Maybe with the exception of the remake. I I will say I liked Lisa's father, except I wish he was played by Christopher McDonald. But I still liked him. And I loved I loved how subtle the, the, the quote unquote teens were. You know, as soon as the parents' lights go off, let's all scream, hoot and holler, and then go from this like swanky like music that nobody listens to to, you know, eighties music. It was like there was no subtlety. It was just so, mm, eh. I, I, I just. I, I, I like how he was drinking scotch quote, in bed with his wife at that time. That, that yes. actually made me happy. Like, I'm a, all right. I, I would, Damn kids. I think he was actually probably my favorite character, aside from Grady, was Lisa's father, because he has a very small role, but he's entertaining. He has that great. Uh, Shit, I don't even remember. It was, I think it was Mr. Wonderful was written on his apron. That was solid. Um, you know, I could see him playing playing him if they ever did like a remake of this one. Is uh, yeah. Larry Fes- Larry Fessenden? Oh, Larry! Be- yes, Larry would be fantastic. Who's that? Oh, uh, he. he I, I would say look him up during one of the breaks, Kevin. You'll you'll you definitely. I would think you would know him. You might not, but I think you will. Uh, I want to throw out one other thing that I did like, since I'm usually very negative on this. And there was this line at the school cafeteria where Carrie, like, I don't know how much of a part she had, but she was the other girl. Uh, they come over, sit with the guy. She goes, hi, Ron. So you going to Lisa's house tomorrow night? And he goes, nope, can't. I'm grounded. She goes, how come? I threw my grandmother down a flight of stairs. What? I didn't miss that. Where the fuck did that come from? And like, why was that the answer? That in the movie. I rewound it three times trying to see if there's context to it, and there's no context to it. Wow. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Yeah, it, it's... Oh, and I like... Did you ever see a dream walking by Bing Crosby at the end? That was a good song to use for a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, just not this one. Oh, and what's up with the font? Uh, did anybody else notice like the font almost felt like Superman font? Like at the very opening, they're like Nightmare on Elm Street two, and then it says Freddy's Revenge in this like bright silver, like metallic looking stuff, and it's like. That doesn't look anything like you what you would associate with a horror movie. It's more like a comic book action movie than horror. It's very just a strange choice of font. Eighty five, man, nineteen eighty five. They were still trying to figure it out. Obviously, they didn't figure it out with this one, but they were trying to figure it out. <laughs> no, there was also a guy at the party, which I know, I guess, could happen. But this guy had a full on like porn mustache going on, like. I just figure he might have been like a, an assistant, and they're just like, you got a great mustache. You belong in this party. And he just walked on. They got one shot of him with his mustache, and he walked away. Don't know who he is, but he was great. 
All right. Do we have anything else to say about part two? If I never see it again, <laughs> I'll be happy. Okay. So the only thing is, um, you're asking about if Jesse's acting, which is this is something that was in the the documentary. Was uh, when his when they came out, his agent says, "Well, we know you can't play straight anymore," and basically his he retired from acting after that. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, but I still, I'm pretty fond of it because it's kind of like well, cheesy eighties acting, you know, I, I, I wouldn't put it up to the, the bar. Yeah. No, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't horrible and it wasn't out of place, but it wasn't, you know, like what I would look for in my main character in a movie. Um, and it's shitty, the shit that he had to go through in regards to that kind of stuff. But pretty, Oh, yeah, absolutely horrible. But pretty good for a movie of the week. Yeah, and like you said, if you look at them as after-school specials, that's a, that's a fucking great take, Kevin. Yeah, it's an important after-school right, special, just not an important Freddy Krueger movie. Okay. All right, guys, we're going to wrap up part two of episode 40 here, and we'll be back in a minute for Kent to talk about Nightmare on Elm Street, part three, The Dream Warriors. <laughs> 